Welcome to FNI Performance Podcast, powered by SimTech Dealer Services, your source for everything FNI. Real talk, real experts, real results. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, FNI Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining us on another episode of the FNI Performance Podcast, sponsored by SimTech Dealer Services. Today, I have two very awesome guests. I have both Jordan and Carolyn with me today, and we are going to jam about lead generation, which you know is a topic that is uh, a very popular topic for me to talk about. And I will do my best to limit the four-letter words when I'm talking about lead generation today. No, I'm just kidding, guys. We're going to have fun. Hey, uh, <laughs> Jordan and Carolyn, thanks for taking the time to jam with me. Thank you. Hey, Thank for, you. For everyone out there that's watching and listening and kind of don't know how you guys got started in the industry and what that origin story is, I thought that'd be kind of a fun place for us to kick it off. And Jordan, I'll start with you. And then Carolyn, I'll ask you the same question. You know, Jordan, how did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Well, I actually started out as a class B mechanic and uh, rebuilding starters and alternators and stuff like that, and then moved into sales and just climbed the ladder from there, sales into sales management, into um, general sales management, new e-cars, used cars, you name it, kind of touched it all. And then about seven or eight years ago, I, I moved into SimTech into a specialist role, took on the F&I um, role and, and just kind of moved up from there, district manager, regional manager, senior regional manager, yeah. Kind of the, the typical entry point, right? You just kind of tumble your way into it and then you're like, hey, yeah, I like this thing. And what's it, you know what? It kind of gets in your blood. It just never goes away, right? Like it's just, once you're in the industry, it's so hard to get out. Uh, Carolyn, for yourself, how'd you get started in the industry? So um, I was actually living in Australia and I started selling cars for a brand called Holden, big um, GM truck parts. So started selling cars, obviously started making money. And I was like, oh no, here we go. Um, came back to Canada and I was selling for Honda for quite some time and similar like Jordan said I ended up being um, leasing manager desking manager um, moved into F&I and just really had a passion for uh, training above everything else and joined SimTech just under seven years ago and started off as an F&I specialist as well was a district manager for about four and a half years and now I'm a regional manager as well. You know, we, we, we all had a chance to kind of talk uh, before we recorded today about, you know, for a lot of us, all three of us, actually, we spent a lot of time in dealerships and, and it seems like things are just kind of slowly kind of getting back to normal. We're spending more and more time. I know Jordan with you because, you know, you work with dealerships out West that, you know, you're still doing a bunch of stuff remotely and Carolyn, it looks like you are in a dealership today. So that's, that, that's really cool. <laughs> and, but you know, I still find right now, I mean, a huge topic for dealers is generating new leads. I mean, it's not like it's a new topic. The topic's been around for a long, long time, but boy, are dealers like super hypersensitive to really understanding how many leads are coming in. I mean, I remember, you know, prior to, you know, COVID, you'd ask someone, you know, you know how, how many internet leads you get, you know, what's your closing mm -hmm. ratios? And they'd give you ballpark numbers. Eh, 
you know, approximately a couple hundred, I don't know, we're closing around 10% or something like that. Now, when you ask a dealer how many leads they have or what their closing ratio is, they know the exact number. Well, last week we got 57 of these. We got 12 of those and our closing rates on these was 37.6%. And it was like, holy cow, where did this all come from? So, which is cool, right? Um, but like, I know our topic today is right as around the F&I leads, which kind of like the holy grail of leads, right? And I just think there's there's some totally wildly different kind of opinions and thoughts of how they get generated and what are the best practices around them. So that's kind of what I want to jam with you guys today. And I think first thing first, I want to start off my first question is really kind of around social media. Like are social media platforms a good way to generate F&I leads? Jordan, I'll start with you and then Caroline, I'll ask you the same question. Yeah, you know what? The big thing for us is we we actually started to see some dealer principals themselves be on video on their on their social media site. You know, Facebook videos, stuff like that. That really, you know, we haven't seen in the past. I mean, he's kind of a ghost in the background, and all of a sudden now he's in the store doing a video with you know a general sales manager or a general manager or something because there's really nobody else in the store. So that's been kind of a, an interesting transition as. You know, just on their website for one thing, but but really in a Facebook platform or Instagram, I you know pops up and the stores are saying, hey, we're open. You know, COVID, this is what we're doing. Um, but but the actual dealer principal is involved, which is is really good to see. I mean, we're not talking about massive dealerships, but you know, fairly sizable stores that really you know you just you just don't see that that dealer principal too often. And now all of a sudden he's doing a live video with his general manager in the showroom, right? So it's. It's been it's been an interesting transition, and you know whether or not they wanted to do that or they've been wanting to do it, it's they just seeing just like us with Zoom calls and everything else that you know what it's not that big a deal. Like you can do this. Like it's it's not really you know that hard to get in front of people and get in front of the camera and just have a conversation and let them know that you know you're human and we're trying our best to do what we can for you to, to keep everyone safe. So it's it's been a good transition, I think. I think you'll see. Uh, a lot of that carry forward into the past. Oh, for sure. And, and, and you know what it is, is, is I think for a lot of dealerships, what they realized was the consumption of social media, especially during, you know, uh, during the times where we were kind of in a in a shutdown period. I mean, I mm -hmm. saw ridiculous, Ridiculous. I mean, I'm just talking ridiculous spikes in just consumption with, you know, all of the social media accounts that we manage out there. And uh, to your point, Jordan, I think there's a lot of dealer principles now kind of understand the opportunity to generate the why do business with me, which I think is super important when it comes to creating F&I leads. It, 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 look, every dealership supports some type of non-prime or special financing or subprime type efforts, right? But it comes down like, why am I going to do it with you as a dealership. And Jordan, to your point, I think the people out there that were doing those videos, the customers got that glimpse. They got that opportunity to say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's who I feel comfortable. That's who I want to do business with. Um, Carolyn, for you, your thoughts, like, you know, are social media platforms a good place to generate F&I leads? Well, exactly what you just said is just exactly it. Like people's level of comfort, specifically with COVID-19 has really shifted. And, um, you know, I, I find that more and more uh, dealers are telling me that they, they're finding people who are online cruising around and they're seeing also the level of, um, 
vigilance in the dealership in terms of um, keeping them safe. And I think that's a big part too, that people are just not still fully comfortable going into stores. So I think more and more people are turning to social media and I think it's a great opportunity for our dealers to generate leads because people are looking around saying, wow, look, there's the dealer on there. There's their protocol that they're following. Why not? Let me go go down there and you know see what I can do. So I think that, uh, yeah, like Jordan said, I find a lot of old school guys who weren't really into the social media game are going, you know what? I've got to get out there. I've got to let people see my facility, feel comfortable. And as a default, yeah, I think that more leads are definitely being generated. I think the, the, the key thing for anybody out there that's watching and listening right now, when they're thinking of social media, uh, understand that there are two words in that. There's the social element, then the media element. And I think as, as an industry, we've actually done a pretty fair, a, fair, a fairly decent job of embracing the media side of social media. And, you know, to your point, Jordan, like you were saying earlier, putting that content out there, Carolyn, like you were saying, like it's showing rather than just telling them why they should do business with us. Um, but I, I still see there's a lot of opportunity on the social side. So, you know, right now, a lot of dealerships are focusing on measuring their media or the content that they're creating, which is great. I love it. You know, thanks for doing that part of it. But there is a huge social part and we actually have to engage. We have to be social with it. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, Twitter, which I think is one that still is completely underrated, um, has an amazing, amazing search function when people are having conversations to be able to search for specific keywords, uh, you know, around non-prime or subprime or special financing or getting approved for a car where you can jump in and actually be a part of that conversation. So that's, if I was going to say anything for anybody out there, you know, understand that media is super important. Also understand that, you know, one video around your special financing department is not going to be the holy grail of why are leads coming in. Understand that it's a commitment. All right, continue to make that. And when it comes to content creation, like we create, we create content for one of two reasons, right? That's to either entertain or educate. And I've, I, I, the best example I can think of is I know there's a dealership out there right now that has recorded a, a series of videos around Path to Prime. Literally targeting for people that are on that kind of that non-prime or special financing area, but giving them the advice and consulting through these videos on how they can get from where they are to where they potentially want to go. And by doing that and educating them, they're creating that brand, they're creating that loyalty, they're creating that equity, and ultimately the customer wants to do business with the dealership. So I, 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 I agree with both of you. I think there's a lot of opportunity on social, but I think when people understand that social media is, there's two parts to it. There's social and media, and there's, it's a marathon. This is not like, you know us, like we're in the automotive business. We want to put an ad out there and then instantaneously get, get some traffic. Like, yeah. what do you mean? Like I spent hours making that video. Where are the leads? It's like, <laughs> it's a long game. It really is. Right. Thanks. Everybody guys. wants instant gratification. But one of the funny things that we've <laughs> seen true. is that, you know, you, you look at, uh, you look at these leads coming in and they're, you know, everybody thinks they're subprime leads, but a lot of people just don't know. Right. So they're filling out this credit application and you end up with a prime customer. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun because these, as long as you manage the leads properly and actually, you know, get through them all and you're not just buying leads for the sake of buying leads. So many of these customers end up in a, in a prime atmosphere already or close to prime near prime is what we would call it, I guess. Well, well, and that's perfect because that actually leads me into my next question, which is a question I get asked a lot. 
um, is around should my dealership purchase leads or generate F&I leads organically. So purchase or generate organically F&I leads. I don't think there's a wrong or right answer out here, but I would love to get both your guys' thoughts on this. Uh, Jordan, I'll start with you and Carolyn, I'll ask you the same question. Yeah, I would say both really. <clears throat> I mean, you know, honestly, it costs you nothing to have an ad on your, on your website um, to, to get the, the ball rolling or to just, you know, buy an extra space on Facebook in a Facebook ad or, or something like that for yourself. At the same time too, buying, buying leads is only as good as what you put into it. So if you're not going to follow up on, on every lead, like we, we find that people want to get into it or stores want to get into buying leads. All of a sudden they go out and say, okay, well, I'm going to buy 200 leads, but they don't have somebody specific to actually follow up with them all. So great. You bought 200 leads and you look for the low hanging fruit. That's great. But you didn't actually follow through on the other 150. You know, and nobody's going to say that you're going to get a deal out of every single lead that you buy, obviously. But, you know, you can put some extra effort in and get an extra, you know, 10 or 15. So, you know, I would I would say for sure both. I mean, the the low hanging fruit on your own website and, and in your own ads is great. And then the additional, you know, leads that you would actually purchase, as long as you're prepared for them and ready for them, then by all means. Yeah, let's let's buy a certain amount of leads and do some research on you know, which lead companies are going to be producing the best. You don't want the, uh, all of the B leads and sacrificing all the A leads because you're not buying enough or not paying enough. You know what the funny thing, Jordan, is I've yet to hear any one of those companies admit that they don't sell anything but A-leads. A-leads, yes. um, You know, like, like everybody's number one, all right? There, there's no, there's not a, there's not a lead generating company out there that says, well, you know, we actually kind of sell like the, the next step down, you know, if you want those ones, right? But no, Jordan, I think that's a great point. Like there has to be a strategy behind either one of these, you know? It's like you can't just go buy the lead and expect, you know, that once you purchase the lead, you're like, oh, I bought it. I got the golden ticket. You know, when are they coming to the dealership? It doesn't work that way, right? Like there has to be a very hardcore process, a documented process, a measurable process behind what the hell we actually do with these leads after we buy them. And, and I'm so glad that you mentioned the website because organically you're so spot on right that. I mean, I find dealers are surprised that they don't get a whole lot of F&I leads from their website. And I'm like, really? Let's just, <laughs> let's look through your website and find the one bloody page that is like, like literally just in the website so deep that no one can ever find it that talks about F&I. It's like, if, if you want to organically create F&I leads from your website, then your website needs to be talking about it all over the place. It can't be this like last thought, like, oh, 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 oh crap, that's right. Let's talk about F&I, right? Um, Carolyn, for yourself, I'd love to get your thoughts on like, do you think dealerships should be purchasing F&I leads um, or uh, generating F&I leads organically? So I'm of the mindset that I definitely am leaning more towards the organic generation of leads. Um, you know, it's not the first time Jordan and I have disagreed, but I guess he kind of said he half agrees, but basically, um, yeah, going back to what we're discussing, like, I just think consistent, um, you know, if you, if you consistently 
um, are on it and you're driving people to your website and you have people out there who are doing a good enough job and whether that's through different social media platforms, um, driving people to your website, I think I've seen some amazing results based on that. It also depends on your team. It depends on their tenure. It depends on their commitment. And it's all about how responsive and how quickly you respond to these leads because someone who's looking for a car isn't just applying to you right they're looking all around and it's 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 all really sense of urgency and how quickly you're responding to the leads i have some amazing dealers who invested thousands upon thousands of dollars monthly and um it, it's basically money they've thrown in the garbage because uh you know they haven't turned into car deals so I mean, yeah, maybe I'm a little bit tainted because I've seen that, but I definitely feel that if you do a good enough job of being consistent, that you, organic is the way to go. That's just my opinion. No, look, I, I look. I think you can go both. I mean, I, I've had dealers do paid and do well with it, um, but I've had more do paid and do horrible with it. Um, so, you know, like, I, I mean, to your point, Jordan, I mean, like I remember when I first started buying F&I leads was a little over 10 years ago. And I have to admit that was like, it was like strike, striking gold. It was like, where have these been all my life? <laughs> these are amazing. And I hate to say it, but I don't really feel like I'm getting the quality over the performance out of them, like I did maybe 10 years ago, where it was like, this is awesome. Um, but you know, I, I, yes, I think the, the long term strategy should be thinking how I'm gonna organically create these opportunities. But I find to do that is that a dealership has to have an F&I mindset. Like they gotta stop treating F&I as like this last kick of the can, the last, you know, the, the just the you know, last, oh, we gotta swing for the fences and it's our last opportunity to do it. You know, it's like they, they need to be having the discussions very early on, both in the website experience, but also in the in dealership experience. And it's like, I think that eventually, I want all dealerships to eventually yield their way off of the, the addiction that is paid. You know, but I think it's a great place to start if they're good leads. But to get off that addiction, we have to create those organic strategies. So, guys, that's that's great. Thank you for that. Um, here's another one that I get a lot. I want to get you guys' thoughts on, is you know what type of sources uh, a dealer can use to drive lead uh, F and I, you know, lead generation. I mean, look, there's there's like an endless amount of sources out there, right? Not just paid or organic, but now we're talking like. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, you know, um, I just, I did the other day, someone was doing a Twitch account and I was like in a TikTok and it's like, I actually saw an F&I manager with a TikTok account awesome. and uh, he was generating exposure. He was building an audience. I was like, damn, okay, that's cool. So I just kind of get your guys' thoughts on that of like, what sources do you guys kind of see dealerships using and what sources do you think dealerships should be using? I would say the most uh, popular would be Facebook and Instagram or the, the main two. Um, I mean, maybe that's just because more of a platform that I would notice, I guess, because I'm not really a TikTok guy, but, um, but for Facebook and Instagram, you know, I see guys come up all the time, the same, similar stores uh, for the most part, and actually one store specifically all the time, right? And you just always something different. It's a different message every time, but it, there's always something which, you know, it's almost ingrained into you, like you're going to see this ad. Um, so it can be good and bad. I mean, maybe you skip over it a little quicker because you see them more often. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you see them and you know the name as soon as it starts, right? So I, I guess 
that's the main, you know, it's a good and bad thing for me is, yeah, I see it all the time. So I just, I scroll faster, right? Because it's a similar ad or uh, the same company all the time. But I think those two specifically are, are, are what's most popular for me. I mean, in, in Facebook, it pops up in the middle, you know, whenever, I guess, whenever, depending on how much they've spent, I guess, as to how often it is. But, but yeah, those are the two main that I've seen. Uh, th those are some great points, Jordan, and I completely agree with you on that. Uh, Carolyn, for yourself, I'm kind of interested uh, on your thoughts on kind of you know, all these different sources, all these different opportunities. You know, what are the types of sources that you think dealers uh, can be using to drive F&I uh, leads? So I agree. I think uh, Facebook and Instagram, I think provided that you have the right um, hashtags, I think it's all about the right hashtags on there um, and being very creative and different ones that would drive people to your page are huge. I know Twitter is a really big one and we have some really super creative people out there who are doing things even like going on Kijiji and uh, you know, like that, that's not dead people. You can still find leads on there. <laughs> um, but it, I think that's really what it is. It's just being creative and uh, really like being consistent. So on whatever platform you're on, exactly what Jordan said, the people who are consistently posting uh, with consistent hashtags that are driving people to the page. I think those are like really good sources right now. And I think that's probably where pe the majority of the leads that I'm seeing are coming from. Um, other than that, you know, you always have different reds, uh, websites. Like I've even seen people go on Reddit, right? Like there's reviews on there and I've seen leads come from that. You wouldn't think, but you know, people are on there. They're talking about either positive or negative experiences. I've even seen like uh, different posts regarding F and I, and it's a great opportunity for, uh, you know, somebody in the right place at the right time to generate a lead from there <laughs> or not. <laughs> But no, that's totally true. I mean, there's a lot of organic opportunities in that. I mean, like I said, information, people are actively searching for information. Look, look, getting approved for a car is like one of the scariest parts of buying a car. All right. There's, there, there, there are so many questions around that. You know, if a dealer was willing to spend the time and write out content and blogs and articles about best practices, and there's huge opportunities to be generating um, leads. I think what it is, is that I think at the end of the day, we, we, we have to define what our goal is and then kind of reverse engineer backwards to kind of define, okay, well, that, that's our goal. So we want to, we want to generate, you know, uh, leads from multiple sources, then what sources are we willing to actually put the time into? Because like writing an article, <laughs> it's not easy for me. I cannot write. All right. But I'll shoot a video, you know? So it's just, like, I think it's just trying to figure out kind of what's, what's our strengths and what's our weaknesses and then helping to um, use those to generate new opportunities. I think we've looked at this um, or we've talked about it before, but that's why it's so important to have something like an internet manager or a marketing manager or something, whatever you want to call that role. But, you know, a marketing manager can be so, so important in the store nowadays to, to determine, you know, what's, what's our results coming from, you know, and tracking it. Well, what are our results coming from? Oh, I see your Facebook ads all the time, whatever. At least you know that it works. That's great. You know, ask, and, and that just comes from, from people in the store asking the question, hey, you know, where did you see us or where have you seen us the most or whatever? Just to let them know, give them a hint that, hey, people are looking at it. And even just to track how responsive you're being to leads when you are actually getting them, which is huge, because like that's a number one thing where people fall down is that they have these great um, 
strategies, but the follow through, you know, isn't ideal because, you know, a lead sitting there from seven o'clock at night till tomorrow morning. Well, the guys already had like four different phone calls, right? So someone to manage that's huge. Okay. So that, that, that's a good question that I'm gonna have for both you guys, because I have, I've been asked this multiple times, who should handle these leads? Should it be the F&I manager? Should it be the BDC? Um, it's typically not the sales person that's usually handling it, these F&I leads, it, but I usually find it's either the BDC or the F&I manager. I want to get your guys' thoughts on that. Jordan and then Carol, Carolyn, I'll ask you the same question. For me personally, I don't react well when somebody just calls to try and book an appointment. You know, I want to talk to the person who actually is, is doing it. But, you know, and you see that every day on every website you pull up. It's, you know, the little chat bar. Hey, I'm Joe and I'm here to help. How can I help? And it's just an answering service or whatever service that's just taking, taking care of you, you know, try and get your appointment in the door. That's what they're paid for. But, you know, to me, you know, a BDC manager, it, it would be very difficult to get me into the store. My, my, if I'm trying to apply online, it's because I want to interact online and finish it out. I mean, I think you mentioned last time, Jason, you bought a car and like 95% was done on your cell phone through texts and everything else, right? So if that's the case, then then a business manager should respond, respond to me or a sales manager, whatever the case may be, depending on the qualifications. But yeah, I would say an internet manager, sales manager, that role can, can be so many different things that it could be that person that responds at 7.30 instead of the next morning or the next afternoon, whenever they get around to it, right? So I, I, would, I would prefer somebody in a sales role to respond that's going to actually you know, look at what I was asking to get. Carolyn, for uh, for yourself, what do you what do you think? I would agree. I think that uh, you know, people, especially if they do have credit concerns, um, you know, it's going to take a certain uh, personality to put them at ease, and it's going to be somebody who can very quickly help them um, understand, you know, you know what the process is, and then help like take them through it pretty quickly and that's the issue you could have someone who's awesome in uh um you know uh, in a clerical role trying to get them in which is great but i have one store they do a fantastic job of it they have two senior sales guys with a ton of experience and they actually alternate evenings um, so they each take a few evening, a couple evenings a week. And so, you know, the, there's no time lapse, like a lead comes in right away, they're responding and they're getting the customer in very quickly. Um, and the customer feels comfortable, like, Hey, you know, I, I could be driving a new car very soon, which is, I think a big concern when you're getting a call from somebody who doesn't have a sales background, it, it can sometimes honestly cause even more anxiety for a customer who already has credit concerns because they're, they're nervous. Am I going to get approved? Now you're booking me in with somebody else. And, you know, that's a big reason why um, a lot of subprime customers don't even like to walk into a new car building, right? They like to walk a lot. They don't, because, you know, it's that stress. Am I going to get approved? So, yeah, I think it can be more damaging to have someone talk to them who doesn't have the answers for them that's going to make them feel like I actually may get approved here and have a vehicle. So I'd say, yeah, a senior salesperson, an F&I manager, a sales manager, um, those are the people you want responding to those leads for sure. No, I, I'm with you on that. I, like, I, I truly do think the F&I managers should be the one that's responding to it. I hate to say it, though, uh, the response I get from a lot of F&I managers, they don't have time. 
Um, like, you, don't, you, don't, you don't have time to generate more money? I mean, damn, things are that good for you, really. Um, but, but the, you know, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think when someone sends in an F&I lead, even though they may be asking about that 2019 Silverado, all right, I mean, you got to have that finance first kind of conversation before you have that car first conversation. And I find like, you know, the other day I, I saw that there was some F&I leads getting sent to a round robin of the sales team. And I was like, no, don't <laughs> do it, you know? And, and sure enough, look at these salespeople. No, it wasn't their fault. They were trained to sell cars. They weren't trained to, to sell F&I. You know, they weren't trained to sell the financing portion of it and understand the nuances and the questions that need to be asked here, right? So they were all default and all their responses to these, these finance leads were, you know, was about the car and that was it. And I just think we do. We do have to, we have, to have a different strategy, I think, for different leads, lead sources that are coming in. Specifically, we have to have a different strategy around how and who is handling those F&I leads that come in because for the most part, we don't get a whole lot of them, but when we do, we have to get the right person on them right away. So this kind of leads me kind of to my next question then is, you know, what are some of the tactics to avoid? Because <laughs> I see we could probably talk a whole podcast about things to avoid when it comes to F&I lead generation, but I want to get your guys' kind of thoughts on this. What are some tactics to avoid for F&I lead generation? Jordan, I'll start with you and then Carolyn, I'll ask you the same question. Well, the big thing is, I think, well, we talked about it earlier is, you know, to just buy 400 leads and just kind of, you know, sort through the low hanging fruit. That's the biggest, biggest mistake is everybody thinks, okay, well, I'm just going to start buying leads, get into subprime business, no problem. And I'm, and I'm going to go there. You got to have somebody so qualified. And the whole idea behind lead uh, generation and actually following these customers through is not just this car. It's let's get them approved today. You know, they make their payments the next 12 months. And now I have my own lead. That's my only generation now that I can go through and every 12 months I can upgrade them and, you know, get them a better rate, maybe a better car, depending on their, their, their finance, or, you know, what just, it's maybe just a near prime customer that we're making product, you know? So there's a, so many things in that every, you know, a lot of stores we just, we hear, Oh yeah, I'm going to get into subprime, you know, like it's like a switch turned on. And I heard at a 20 group meeting that I'm going to be, I should, I should be doing subprime and some stores doing really good at subprime. So I'm going to do the same thing. There's so much, you know, lead up to 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 getting into it that you need to really be prepared and and be focused and actually have a game plan and a process um, because really otherwise you're just wasting money, you know, and and wasting leads that you know may they're they're good leads are hard to find, you know, and we're seeing now that people are now actually booking appointments again. It's back to kind of what we used to do, right? We're not just waiting for the up bus to arrive, you know, of people driving by. So it's, it's so important to make sure that we're following through with these people um, the way they deserve to be, really, and, and actually taking advantage of, the of having an opportunity in front of us. So I, I think that's the biggest thing is let's have a game plan, let's have a process. If you really want to focus on doing F&I, let's put a process together and actually do it that way. I think that's a great point. And, and that is a, a true tactic to avoid is that we kind of get stuck in this constant like, new customer acquisition mode. Like we got to acquire, acquire. We're like, always oh, looking for like the new customer. And we spent all of this money. I mean, we're talking lots of money to generate these new opportunities. Yeah, we have this amazing bucket over here and we have like no budget. So weird, you know, there's like, there's no budget 
to, to actually like maintain, you know, the, the, the non-prime or special financing customers we already have. And, and to your point, Jordan, like when I was running my store, that, that's how it was. Like I knew I was going to spend two years building this thing and then I was going to stop. I was gonna, I was gonna stop my marketing efforts, all right, and then just love the ones I got, all right, and continue to build with them and build my referral business through them. So, you know, I had this large budget allocated, but with the intention of yielding myself off of that budget and just focusing on the people that I had and getting them in and out of the car every twelve to eighteen months, and you know, well, I say, I take the time to do it. Pride in in selling a car from somebody from Ottawa, anything you just passed. 30 stores that are selling the same product as I am, but because we followed through and actually did something with you, you know, we ended up selling you a car. I think that's fantastic. Thanks, dude. Um, Carolyn, for yourself, like, what do you think are some tactics that we should be avoiding uh, when it comes to uh, generating F&I leads? Um, I think it's just very similar to what you guys have been talking about. I think, uh, you know, definitely in generating leads, the same mistakes are pretty much made everywhere. Um, I've talked pretty much this whole time about time lapse. I think that's a huge issue. I think that people think, oh, I'm just going to pay for leads and then it's my lead. Well, you know, chances are that lead has been circulated elsewhere. So I think that's part of it. And I think there's just a lack of strategy. And like you had just mentioned that, you know, around Robin of giving leads to the salespeople who are getting customers on the wrong car is a huge issue. And that's what always happens. You're taking uh, a non-prime customer down a prime experience. Um, and I think that's that's a, a big shortfall for a lot of people because, you know, it's uh, people are already, you know, have, they're embarrassed about their credit and we're taking them down this prime path and they're never going to get that brand new 2020 car. Um, and then, you know, you're like, oh, by the way, your interest rate is now going to be 20% or whatever it is. And uh, then, you Instead know, zero <laughs> all together. But like Jordan said, treated properly, where you make a customer feel like, you know, I'm here to actually help you rebuild, they'll drive by 14 other dealerships to come to you because it's a level of comfort. And I think that's the biggest um, downfall where people do not make customers feel comfortable and help them feel that we're in it together to help them rebuild. Um, and then, you know, that's where you lose a customer. And part of that is honestly having the wrong people responding to the leads. Right? No, that's, that's so right. And it's actually a perfect you know, segue kind of into my next question for you guys is because, you know, I was kind of identifying the tactics we should avoid. Then it kind of leads to the next question is, you know, what are some of the best practices to facilitate lead generation? Now, we've kind of we, we've kind of talked a little bit already about some of them. But now I know all three of us, we've had the opportunity to probably visit thousands of dealerships and, and and so i actually want to get more specific with this and see if you guys can think of a, a a great example of a dealership that just really crushed it and was doing some amazing best practices around how they facilitated those leads um uh, jordan i'll start with you and then carolyn i'll, I'll ask you the same thing we, we've had some uh, dealers specifically at west they um they almost have their people I mean, they're salespeople, so they're kind of self-employed anyways, but they, they call them pods, right? So where they're setting up a pod in their store, this, this guy doesn't technically work for the store. He's under the, the umbrella, but he's, you know, he's his own business. Um, you know, and typically a subprime salesperson would, or fi special finance person would actually kind of bring their book of business with them, right? Because if they're good, um, they would bring that book of business with them where they go. 
but this kind of gives them the opportunity to build their own brand, build their own business. But we've seen some really good um, headway with that because they're actually still following it up and they're taking those customers that they've been progressively improving uh, their credit building and they, they bring those along with them or, you know, they've, they've managed to keep that relationship with the customer and go forward and build on it. So, um, you know, almost allowing them to set up their own, their own business is, is good. But again, we have to have direction and process. And, and I think that's the main thing is, you know what, Hey, I got this guy. He's a, he's a really good subprime guy or a really good special finance guy. Let's bring him in and then we'll have a subprime department. Right. So, you know, almost you need to have your own sense of a process in place in order to, to bring that person in and let's let's conform to that. You know, we it's no different than selling a car. You know, we can't just go right to paper and, and right to credit card with a with a deal with some people. You gotta qualify, you gotta, you know, test drive and, and what have you. Like there's there's certainly steps that have to be followed. And and I think the ones that actually have a process in place do the best with it. I mean it, it it's hundred percent is they have to have something in place. So there's certainly different areas and you know we may not be the experts on exactly which process in which which proper way but the biggest one is like as carolyn mentioned is selling somebody a, a brand new car at zero percent that you knew from day one that they had no opportunity to ever take delivery of that car that's so difficult and then people are embarrassed they don't want to come back and and revisit now the five-year-old car that's you know fifteen thousand dollars less because that's what they can afford they don't want to, they'll go somewhere else and they'll pay, they'll tell them up front and say, yeah, this is the one I want so that they don't feel embarrassed. Right. So that's just the main thing is let's just, let's just put something in place, a process on paper so that we can all follow it and, and really have a strategy. You know what? I, I think that's a great point. I mean, it's really kind of, you know, creating that network, having those strategies are super important. You know, a funny little story, um, how I got into the F&I um, office was, is, you know, I'm, I'm a very much so a people watcher. I don't know about you guys, but I love people watching, right? And and I was I was very new to this dealership. I just started working there and um, I could, I noticed really fast that there was this one particular manager where when the people were coming in, these people were always bringing, bringing them gifts, like bottles of wine, like things of cookies. And like, I was like, what the hell does he do? <laughs> I was like, I want to know what that guy does. And, and sure enough, I found out that he was the non-prime or special financing, or I think we called it subprime at the time. All right. Was the, it was the subprime F&I manager. I was like, oh, now I'm interested, you know? And, 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 but that's what he did. And, and to your point, Jordan, he had been from another dealership and it created such a good network and, and such a strong audience and connection relationship with his clients. His clients were actually following him from, the other location that he was before. And, and I think that's, that's perfect. That's, that is, that is amazing. Best practice is to understand that you're creating a client for life here. All right. Treat them that way. And they're going to continue to come back. And that's actually what got sucked me into it. I wanted cookies and bottles of wine. That's what I wanted. Um, <laughs> then I found out later that I could make a crap load of money doing it. I was like, Whoa. Uh, <laughs> all right, Carolyn, for yourself, uh, you've been, You've, you've been to a lot of dealerships. So, you know, kind of think of an example uh, that you saw that was just amazing, like a best practice on how they facilitated uh, the leads. Sure. Um, so, of course, it's always about the mindset, right? That uh, it's a subprime mindset. So I think that's huge. And just going back to even what Jordan touched on, it's one person does not make a special finance department. Um, but I can think of one specific dealer who does a really great job 
Uh, they actually have their FNI managers respond to the leads. They actually provide their FNI managers with laptops that they keep at home with them. And they actually get compensated higher on subprime deals that they do. So it actually makes it more worthwhile for that uh, uh, finance manager to put in the time at home because uh, he's getting comped at a higher rate um, and therefore they're more responsive. They get back to customers more quickly because they can make a boatload of money doing it. And the dealer's happy because they're getting, you know, they're getting, here's the thing, you're getting a deal that you otherwise wouldn't have got the deal. So why not comp your people a little bit more, entice them to be more responsive. Therefore your, your customer is going to be looked after right away and have a great experience. So to me, I, I have one dealer, they stick out and that's what they do. And they do a really good job of it. Um, and uh, it's uh, very much a credit rebuilding program as well, what they do. So it's not just simply, I'm going to get you into a car. It's exactly what we've been talking about. It's, you know, here's what, you know, 12 months could look like from now. Here's what two years could look like from now. So it really helps that customer understand that, like, this is the situation that you're in today. Um, but the situation you're in today is not a permanent situation, but we need your flexibility now. Um, in order to help you build and get back to where you want to be in the future. So yeah, that's what they do. And it seems to work really well. And who doesn't want to be caught more to work from home? No, look, I think that's great best practice for any dealership out there that's watching and listening right now. And, you know, thinking about, you know, creating some of those best practices around how you facilitate these leads is to understand these leads are not the same as every other lead. These are time consuming leads. You, you, you need to give these leads the respect and time that they deserve, all right? This is not a simple phone call and come on in, all right? This is someone who's literally putting their hands up and saying, I'm a little concerned, you know? Um, I, I'm, I'm, if I'm a little uneasy, otherwise I would have automatically already come into the dealership. And I think that's a great point that, you know, we have to facilitate those leads in a different way than we do with others. And uh, what a better way to ensure that our staff is spending the time is just by acknowledging the fact that this is gonna take you more time. So we're gonna we're gonna bonus or structure or pay structure these differently than how we are these other ones because it does take more time to do so. I like this whole example thing. I think I'm gonna ask you guys one more because you know, like I said, we've been, we've been in so many dealerships. I think this is, this, this is a great, uh, great thing to talk about. How about this one? Um, any examples, all right, of just some unexpected FNI lead generation ideas that you've seen out there that just kind of made you go, huh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, Jordan, anything come to, come to mind for you? And then, of course, Carolyn, I'll ask you the same question. I think with the kind of a more of a humorous one I, th I found was, um, you know, there's there's a guy that does, he's at a Toyota store, and he, he puts videos out on LinkedIn for the most part. Um, of just himself being crazy, being in your face and whatever, but also about, you know, just bringing in your customers and, and referrals and, uh, and near prime customers and stuff like that. But I, I just found it funny that he's, his majority of his posts are in, in LinkedIn, which, you know, is, is, you know, like a dealer network to, to approach them for, for a, for a near prime or a subprime. I just, I found that kind of interesting, but I, I know that he's probably sharing it in other places that maybe I'm just not seeing him. But, um, but I just, I found that really interesting that he's choosing a platform like LinkedIn and then still has, you know, the, the message that, Hey, listen, I'm here for near prime, prime, subprime, you know, everything. Right. So you just don't know who you're talking to. Right. I guess that's the moral. And we all learn that in sales when, you know, the guy 
walks in off the street and you think, oh God, he can't, he can't finance a bicycle, but you end up talking to him and he pays cash for a brand new Cadillac, right? Like it's just, it, it's bound to happen, but you just can't read a book by its cover. And, and I, uh, I found that interesting that he's just, you know, putting it out there. It doesn't matter what platform it is, it's social and it works. So I'm going to put it everywhere. So yeah, I, I guess that's the main thing is, you know, you do one video that may be specific to Facebook, but then, hey, it takes two clicks to put it on LinkedIn and, and Instagram and whatever, right? So it, that's, I guess that's the main one for me. No, I actually think that's a, that's that's a great kind of uh, unexpected way of doing it. Is you gotta understand, like um, generating F and I leads is not like fishing. Okay, we, we we don't have like you know when I go when I go fishing and I don't go fishing often, but you know like I know where there's like certain spots I want to go, you know, to know where the fish are. And but, but F and I leads come from everywhere, and I find actually most of my F and I leads were coming from people that knew me, but they had a friend that they talked to. You know, like, I, I don't find like, you know, like talking about, you know, getting approved or concerned that we're not going to get finance is something you usually talk to your friends or family about, right? You know, it's like, oh yeah, I do need to get a new car, but I don't know, man, like, you know, I had that, you know, I had that issue, you know, a while back and I'm not sure if I'm going to get finance. Well, but to your point, Jordan, you know, it's like, well, you know what, <laughs> there's this guy on LinkedIn that I know, um, you know, he, he, he seems like he's a pretty solid guy. I think maybe you should reach out to him, right? So it's like, you don't know necessarily where the fish are going to come in this particular case and i think it's a great it's a great uh, strategy to just kind of make sure that you're you're everywhere at this point so that no matter who's consuming they know that you're that source of the person uh, to of people that will be able to take care of you if you're in that particular situation carolyn for yourself i'm, I'm sure you like i said you've been out there a lot so you've seen some any anything unexpected any unexpected examples of f and i lead generation ideas that you've seen I mean, I wish I had something like really like <laughs> wacky to share. Um, I mean, but I'd say that, you know, the people who are being the most creative and what I always find the most interesting is um, when people just utilize their networks outside of the car business. And I see all the time people, whether it's through their church or their mosque or their synagogue or their community or whatever, like, it's just really when when we're talking about subprime and we're talking about people, um, you know, being very weary of being approved, it's the word of mouth. So, you know, it's not really this extreme example, but I still see those guys who tend to be the best within their communities or around where people get to know them. And just like you said, it's like this is the guy to go see. And I think to some extent that hasn't changed. I think social media is great. And I think that it's a great way to generate leads, but I think there'll always be a percentage of people who are weary and who do want a referral. And I think people who work their networks properly um, are still doing the best out there because it's like, it's that tr transfer of trust, right? This guy took care of me. He's going to take care of you. And, uh, you know, oftentimes those guys don't even really have to do anything for their customer they don't need to gift them anything or give them a referral bonus or whatever because they're happy for their friends to be looked after the same way that they were looked after so not really like anything extreme and crazy but those are the guys who are definitely um, generating a ton of leads themselves and uh, you're not paying for those leads though yeah so definitely think that's that's very positive I've seen a lot of that no I I agree with you I've actually seen some great examples of you know, something that, that's similar to that where um the f and i manager she's um she's very active in the community like in a huge way right i mean in fact actually runs a community blog 
All right, she actively does videos about the community. Actually, the funny thing, she's actually almost, I don't think I've actually seen a video of hers that actually has to do with what she does for, as a job. Like, you know what I mean? Like most of the videos I see is she's like, hey, I'm down at this restaurant and they got this great deal. You got to check them out. But everything she posts, I mean, everything she posts is about her local community and just that surrounding areas. And it's just like she goes out to when a new restaurant opens up and she goes out to when, you know, when the library is having an event and she goes out to when the parade's going on and she's just embedded herself as this community person. But then everybody knows what she does for a job. Everybody knows that, you know, she is a special financing or, or a subprime or non-prime, you know, financing specialist at the local dealership. Ironically, her, her following is actually bigger than the dealership's combined following is. <laughs> um, but, but she did. She, she, she just, she, what she did, she built a brand around her passion. Okay. Her job is, like, she understood that her job was, is non-finance or non-prime financing, right? And she's really good at her job, but that wasn't necessarily her passion. She, she, she didn't feel comfortable creating content around that. Her passion was is that her, this, she's a fourth generation um, a person that's lived in this town. And, you know, her entire family has been a part of this town. And all of her family lives in this town. It's just, so she, her, her passion is the town. She built all of this, all of this content around. She's created this beautiful online community. And to your point, Carolyn, that's where she generates most of her business. It's the the dealership's not generating it for her. She is through all that community engagement. Everybody in the community knows who she is, and they know if that you know, they have some financing issues, she's someone they can go to. Uh, so much so that she's actually extended her efforts out now to uh, houses as well. The, uh, she, the dealership didn't want to lose her. She was like, I'm thinking about doing homes, but the dealership didn't want to lose her. So the dealership said, okay, well, you can do both. We're doing houses now. <laughs> We're doing houses now. So she does, she does lending for both now. It's quite interesting. But it um, sounds super relatable. And I think especially in the subprime space, people want to feel that whoever they're dealing with is a real person who has compassion. So I'm sure by default, even though her posts aren't related to automotive, I'm sure it lets people see that she's a real person and she's out there and it's someone who they want to do business with, right? Actually, I think that's probably an amazing strategy. If anybody watching, listening right now, take a little note of this one. You want to create a, a great strategy around building content and generating F&I leads. Be a, a real person. <laughs> it sounds, sounds easy, right? But it's like, no, like be a real person. Hey, guys, I know we're getting towards the tail end of our time today. But before we go, I get to ask one last question of you. And of course, I prepped you for this question before we started. So I have huge expectations from both of you. I'm just kidding. I'm messing with you. Um, <laughs> but if, if you guys were able to change one thing in our industry, all right, what would it be and why? Jordan, I'll start with you. Then Carolyn, ask the same question. Um, it's funny, actually, we ask every dealer this question when we're, when we're starting them is basically if you had the magic wand and you could change one thing about your store, what would it be? Um, but I would say, you know what, it's just process and preparation. That's the main thing is that we find it more and more every store we go to there's, there's very limited process. I mean, we all know that we've sold cars and there's supposed to be an inherent process around it, but really like I just, so many stores we go into, they just have zero process. And maybe it's a good thing because it's part of the reason why we get to go in there and, and help them with that. But, you know, I think just overall, I think a lot of stores really need to look at their internal processes and, and actually have one. No, I, I think that's a great point. I mean, this is coming from the marketing person. Um, I, I don't have a magic pill. 
there's no magic marketing pill out there right now that's going to just automatically generate you new leads or help you close on those leads. I'm a firm believer that, you know, in this, the state of our industry right now, moving forward, we will have to process our way to profitability. We have to own that. That's got to become a mindset. So I'm totally with you there, um, yeah. Jordan. Uh, Carolyn, for yourself, if you could change one thing in this industry, what would it be and why? I think it would just to be to continue to change people's um, view uh, and the reputation of automotive. I know we've uh, come a long way. Um, and I'll tell you, like being in hundreds and probably thousands of dealerships, uh, we have amazing operators that do a fantastic job and it's above board and customers are looked after and there's no like secret curtain that, you know, things are hiding behind. And I think there's still, um, specifically pertaining to F&I, there's still a reputation there. Um, and that, so I would like to just see us continue to make sure that it is the majority of operators out there that are doing the right thing and we're doing right by customers so that we can continue to you know change the the impression that some people have of f and i and like i said i think we've come a long way but i think we still have a ways to go and i think that there's a few people out there that can you know obviously make some changes that impact that reputation and yeah that would just be my main, my main thing i think it's a great one. but no i i'm with you right i mean i um you know, the one thing that this whole pandemic did to our industry is it, it really did give us a sucker punch to the face. But I actually felt as an industry, we actually accepted it. Like we just kind of took it. And we're like, you, you know, when the, you know, the, the knocking of change has been going on for like the last 30 years and you haven't been answering the door. And then all of a sudden the pandemic shows up and you get punched in the face. You're like, okay, I better open that door and start changing some stuff. And I feel like as an industry, we actually did. We, it's amazing how much we changed just in the last five months. It's mind boggling. So, um, but, but I, it could have gotten so much worse than it actually did. You know what? hundred percent. It, it could have. And that's why I say, I just, I, I know I, I have a lot of tough love for our industry, but I have to applaud our industry for this one. Cause I think we did some phenomenal changes. We, I think we, as an industry, we become more customer centric now in the last five months than we probably have in the previous 20 years combined. So I'm just, I'm just hoping that, 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 that that snowball effect of change continues and we just continue to go down that path of, of putting the customer at the core of everything we do, which will then, to your point, Carolyn, really change that kind of that impression or that public impression of us as an industry. So I, I think we're heading the right direction, right? Um, hey guys, for everyone out there that's watching, listening, and uh, would love to connect with you, what's the best way to do so? Jordan, I'll start with you and then Carolyn, I'll ask you the same question. So my email is jordan.hearn at simtech dash dot uh, ca and uh and i'm on linkedin facebook instagram snapchat whatever i mean i'm i'm out there and everywhere um you can search for me I, i'm um, i'm on every platform you got a tiktok account i have one but it's not like registered <laughs> like, i can look at it, i was so curious because i'm like i want to know what jordan's tiktok account would look like that's okay, okay. we'll be looking for that though by the way jordan Hey, Carolyn, for yourself, what's the best way to connect with you? So definitely the same. Um, my email is uh, carolyn.heimlich at sim-tech.ca um, and definitely LinkedIn. You can find me on there. I'm always on there. Um, and yeah, definitely reach out. Happy to connect uh, and chat. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, thanks guys so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a ton of fun. You guys have yourself an awesome day. 
Thanks, yeah. Jason. You too. Bye.